the country. In June of 2020, China imposed national security law on the people of Hong Kong, which caused them to lose many of their long-protected rights, the freedom of expression, of association, and of assembly. This also began widespread protesting. Earlier this year, perhaps something a little bit more home to our congregation who hosts a church, the Chin Christian Reformed Church here, uh, who are originally from Myanmar. The military of Myanmar declared a state of emergency after the candidate that the military backed lost the election. In the wake of this, the military has killed hundreds of adults and children and limiting their ability to gather together at all. Just this last month in the Sudan, the military led a coup against their leader, Prime Minister Hamnok. Hundreds of thousands of people have demonstrated since then. The military coup leader was supposed to relinquish control to the sovereign council, but instead he dissolved the sovereign council. Also this past month, China began forcing the removal of domes off of temples of worship to remove evidence of foreign religions and to make their architecture more Chinese. Hmm. Into this moment of history, we can hear the words, Christ is the King, and receive hope. We can hear those words of, Christ being king and recognize that this suffering that is experienced around the world at the hand of these under-shepherds of Christ will not last forever. So let's take a moment to open up the book of Jeremiah where Jeremiah writes concerning the shepherds of Israel who were not tending and caring for the flock as, as God had desired them. This passage contains a promise about the ideal shepherd that will come sometime in the future, the person that we know as Jesus Christ. And I think this passage can also function as a warning for leaders today, but a word of hope for us who experience perhaps, or those who experience despair, injustice, and unrighteousness at the hands of the country's shepherds. So let's head to the book of Jeremiah. It'll be page 635 in the Black Bibles. Kids, if you got your Bibles along, it'll be page uh, 942. I don't normally wear a coat, and I am hot. Sorry. All right, let's head there. We're going to read the first six verses of chapter 23. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend to my people. Because you have scattered my flock and have driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I've driven them and will bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase in number. 
I will place shepherds over them who will tend to them. They will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. Then the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is right in the land. In his day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. Jeremiah begins his prophetic ministry in the 600s B.C. And there's actually little doubt of whom he's speaking about here in this passage. He's speaking of the kings of Judah. You recall, Israel was separated into two kingdoms. You have Israel and Judah. And so Jeremiah is prophesying about this other kingdom, Judah, from the message that he received from God. And it's, woe to you, shepherds of Judah. Woe to you, shepherds, who are scattering and destroying the sheep of my pasture. It was common in the ancient Near East to refer to any king or leader of a country as a shepherd. It was was really common too, we could perhaps remember in Scripture, how we hear of shepherds being those who are guiding God's flock, guiding God's people. We hear the, the image of shepherds in so many different places, right? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. We think about who shepherds are and what good shepherds look like. We think of shepherds who tend and care intimately for the sheep, the people that they are over top of. We, we think of keeping the sheep from harm as the shepherd functions as a gate, keeping those out. We, we think about the staff that the shepherd carries along or the rod that is used to defend the sheep from any attackers. When we think about the the shepherds of the tribe of Judah at this point in time, we think of people like Josiah and Jehoaz, Jehoiakim and Jehoiachin. And maybe one of those rung a bell. Maybe maybe you thought about Josiah and you thought, man, yeah, he was a a pretty good king. He, He sent the Lord's people back on this journey of repentance to reorient themselves towards God, and and well, he was pretty good. I don't know why he would be included in this list of woe to the shepherds. But Jeremiah himself doesn't make any distinction between the shepherds that are over the tribe of Judah at this time. All of them are, are included in this word of judgment towards them. Woe to the shepherds who tend to my people. Woe to the shepherds. We perhaps wonder, how was it that the shepherds failed? Well, if we thought about what a good shepherd was, perhaps we would think about what a poor shepherd would look like. One who did not have the best interests of the sheep at heart. One who would withhold good pasture. 
one that would withhold the food necessary for life. A shepherd that was not directing the people along paths of righteousness, but instead letting them go astray, resulting in them being scattered across the land. Perhaps we think of shepherds that are looking out for their own interest, and when that attacker comes, they worry about defending themselves rather than defending the sheep that they care over. We think of shepherds that are looking to maintain their own power and their security. Shepherds that are selfish and concerned only with themselves. Earlier, we considered those, those failures in leadership from the countries around us, around the world. And perhaps you yourself in your mind can think of other examples of failures in leadership at the governmental level. But that's not only where we experience the failure in leadership, is it? We could also consider what the failure in leadership looks like within Christ's body, the church itself. Jeremiah does that to a degree. If, if you would go a little bit further into chapter 23, he speaks of the lying prophets that are amidst the people. The lying prophets who are, who are forcing or bringing the people down paths of unrighteousness. Bringing the people down paths of idolatry. Bringing people down paths where wickedness has arised in the very temple of God. Or idolatry is happening in the place where worship of God is supposed to be happening. Perhaps you yourself can think of some of these, these leaders of the church. Leaders that have, have not had the highest moral character along with their devotion to Christ. Leaders who have diluted faith and combined cultural practices within, within God's community, leading people astray. Maybe you can think of leaders who have filled their people with a false hope instead of the true hope that comes in Christ. Perhaps too you could think of good leaders. Good leaders that epitomized righteousness and justice. Good leaders that epitomized what it means to follow Christ, looking out not only, actually not to your own interests, but to the interests of others, just as Christ would have done. Maybe you've heard of a guy named William Booth, who's the founder of Salvation Army, and in his day he provided leadership within a community, a vision for the future that makes an impact for not just God's people, but all people. But Jeremiah here is, is criticizing. Criticizing those who are overlooking, who are unable to see the, the poor leadership perhaps even within themselves. And that's why he uses the term shepherd because that's how they often would criticize leaders in that day. To point out that they are not shepherding the way they should. Though the shepherds have been unjust, 
God cannot stand for this injustice, and now God Himself is going to, to come into this situation and act for the benefit of His own people. God is unable to ignore unjust behavior of the shepherds of Judah. Because of what He's seen, He is going to respond. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend to my people. He's going to respond in a couple ways here. Because you've scattered the flock and driven them away, you have not bestowed care on them. I will bestow punishment on you. There's the first thing that God's going to do. Because you have not cared for your people, because you have not bestowed care, he uses the same word, I will bestow punishment. Because you have not given care, I am going to give you punishment. God will see to it that all these unjust actions of of the kings of Judah will be met with His justice. That God will call them to account for how they have been living, what they have been doing, and perhaps even what they have been leaving undone in regard to the care of His people. And then the second thing that the Lord will do is He will gather for himself. He will, he will go through the work of gathering his flock out of all the countries that they've been dispersed. Makes me think of a passage in the New Testament where we hear about a shepherd. A shepherd who, who goes to great lengths to find the sheep that have gone missing. Perhaps you think of it as the, the shepherd with the 99 and the one that was lost. And the the great extravagant extents that this shepherd would go through to find that one to make sure all of his sheep were gathered from the places that they were dispersed to, to be brought back to the pasture where they could experience fullness of life and joy with the shepherd of God watching over them. And the days were coming when that shepherd of God that true righteous shepherd from the house of David would come. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. You recall from the passage earlier in verse 6, the name of this righteous shepherd, this faithful shepherd king that God will bring about in the, in the line of David is the Lord, our righteous Savior. The Lord, our, our true and faithful shepherd. I've come to know this true and righteous shepherd, and, and I hope that you've come to know him too as Jesus Christ. But what, what makes this this shepherd king righteous? Well, he'll be wise. He'll be wise and he will save his people, the Scripture says. The wisdom in this king will show itself by always doing what is right for his people, no matter the cost to himself. Perhaps you can think of an image of some wise king that came before An example that's often used of of wisdom in kings is Solomon. 
right? Solomon asked God for wisdom, and God gave him wisdom. There was a moment in time where Solomon had two mothers that came with one baby, and they both said that that they were the mother of this baby, and, and Solomon, the wise king, would find a way to reunite that mother with her baby. Now Solomon wasn't always wise, but the hope here is that this righteous king, having greater wisdom than Solomon, will always in every situation do the right thing. In impossibly complicated situations where our minds have no understanding how to move forward, this true and righteous shepherd king will know. This true and righteous shepherd king will be the greatest king in David's whole line, ruling his people with justice, ruling his people with righteousness, particularly for the oppressed and those in need. And under this true, faithful shepherd king, all of God's people will flourish. Jesus the one who has demonstrated to us what righteousness looks like. Jesus, the one by which David's covenant with God or God's covenant with David will remain fulfilled, that there will be an heir of David's line on the throne forever. It is Jesus that extends his righteousness to all of the sheep. So that when God looks upon the sheep of his pasture, they see the righteousness of Christ within us. It's because of Christ's righteousness that he'll be able to maintain order in the community. When we think about Christ, we realize that he came as a king, the faithful shepherd king that was unlike no king before, and unlike no king that people expected at that time. Jesus, the faithful shepherd king, made demonstrations of justice when he was on earth. That characteristic of his kingdom that will last forever. Jesus, the faithful shepherd king, was not distracted by military endeavors as some thought that he would be. Jesus, the faithful shepherd king, would not get sidetracked by political jockeying by the Pharisees. Jesus, the faithful shepherd king, he wouldn't have selfish motives standing in the way of doing what is right for God's people. And most vividly, this faithfulness of the shepherd king was displayed through the cross. The faithfulness of this shepherd king was not to place his life above our own life. The faithfulness of this shepherd king was that he was not willing to go through the cost and the hardship to see the goodness arise out of God's people. Some people are are still waiting to experience that salvation that comes through the righteousness of God. Some people are, are still waiting like those Jews long ago who crucified Jesus 
waiting for that king to come when the king is standing right in front of them with opportunity for salvation. By taking upon his yoke, by taking upon his kingdom and living in his ways of righteousness, we become one of his children baptized into his family through his blood. The king. We no longer need to wait for this king. This king that's willing to accept you into his kingdom. He even accepted a criminal on the day that he was crucified into his kingdom. This kingdom has immense mercy and grace and immense power and glory. This king is the good shepherd who cares for his flock. He's unlike other people. He's unlike the thief. Because the thief always comes to to steal and kill and destroy, but Christ the shepherd king has come that we may have life and that we may have life to the full. It's here that Jesus says that he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sake of his sheep. He's unlike some hired person. He's unlike some other king who stands there who does not own the sheep, who does not have care for the sheep. So when he sees that attacker come, he runs. He scatters the flock. He goes away just like the kings of Judah. He cares nothing for the sheep. But it's Jesus who comes. He knows his sheep. He cares for his sheep. And in his sheep, They know Him. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, He lays down His life for us. And it's here we realize the the grandeur and the greatness of God's kingdom and that there are other sheep that are not of this pen, not of the pen of Judah and in Israel, not of those kingdoms. That's us. He has sheep in other pens that he is going to gather them together that we will listen to his voice and that he will bring one church together united through Christ all around the world underneath the lordship of him who is that faithful and gracious and merciful shepherd king. Jesus' kingdom is much larger than we can imagine or even comprehend. His, His kingdom includes you and me. His kingdom includes those individuals in Bolivia, the people in Myanmar, our friends and believers in China. And all of these people this faithful shepherd king desires good for. That's why he laid down his life for you. So that you would know that it's him who's on the throne. That it's Him who is sovereign over all, no matter what is happening here on earth to make us think otherwise. He's come so that we may have life to the full. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for this King. The King who is always on the throne, the king that intercedes for 
our behalf, the King that watches over and desires good for us. By your Spirit, cause us to experience the hope that comes from Christ. Cause us to to live in the righteousness that you so desire in our life that we may follow you and devote our life wholeheartedly to your kingdom, following your kingdom above all other kingdoms here on earth. We pray knowing that you will see it happen by way of your Spirit here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us stand together as we sing in response, confessing and professing our faith together. With this I believe. Jesus Christ 
eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three and one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. For I believe in the name of Jesus. As we go, we know that Jesus Himself is on the throne. Therefore, we can receive this blessing together. God, go before you to lead you. God, go behind you to protect you. God, go beneath you to support you. God, go beside you to befriend you. Do not be afraid of whatever happens in the world with these shepherd kings today. May the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you. Do not be afraid, for the King is on the throne. Go in grace and peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.